0: in favor of good theology, say aye. aye. All opposed, out. No. <laughs> we're, so glad, we're so glad you're here today. <laughs> we're so glad you're here today for part two in this series on grace. And um, I just want to point something out to you before, uh, before we di- really dig into the passages of scripture. Um, back in the 1920s and the 1930s, there was a controversy Within the uh, Presbyterian Church, now some of you know that the Presbyterian Church is what we would call an old, old, old line denominational um, church. Um, it it came out of Scotland, and it was a solid, solidly theological, good theology, solid theology, and they have done great work around the world. But then in the 1920s and 30s, there was a, a schism within the church, and it was over the what we call the modernist controversy. And what was at issue were the foundational truths, the things that you and I take for granted as Christians, uh, that is, as Christians who are are evangelical, and I'm going to explain that in just a moment. At issue was the was the birth of Christ. They didn't. Some were saying there was no such thing as a virgin birth. Uh, the The death of Christ was was called into question. Um, certainly, the resurrection of Jesus Christ that was in in hot debate. Even though the Bible clearly says that there's no resurrection, there's no faith. It just like everybody go home. It, it's not gonna work um, Also the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Did Jesus really take upon himself The sin of those who put their faith in him So what happened then is we had two broad factions Within the protestant uh, church uh, Here's, here's a, a, a cartoon that was created Called the descent of the modernists And you can see it and you've seen this before I've showed this to you before but you see, it goes uh, from uh, no Christianity um, to uh, or modern Christianity to the Bible's not fallible, and then man is not made in God's image, and there's no miracles, there's no virgin birth, there's no deity, there's no atonement, there's no resurrection, and the next thing you have is agnosticism, which means I don't, I don't know, I I don't have a belief. Ah means not gnosticism. Is word is a Greek word for knowledge, so without knowledge. And then finally, we descend into atheism, which is, I don't believe in God at all. Well, folks, I'm gonna tell you, this is not t- just the problem in the 1920s and the 1930s. This has been a problem uh, throughout the ages. This is nothing new. Uh, I love what Solomon says, there's nothing new under the sun. And we're seeing this again and again and again. In fact, uh, some would say that we live now in a postmodern, modern a post-Christian world. I think that's probably f- fairly accurate. Um, the fight for the fight for truth, as as we would see truth, uh, really is is almost uh, it's almost non-existent now. We got we got big problems ahead of us, and by the way, that's exactly why we we did this class called Christian Worldview, and it's why we uh, are doing this series on grace because we recognize we got we got big problems ahead of us. So we have the evangelicals who whole to tradition, traditional Christian orthodoxy, and you've got the modernists who, uh, to varying degrees, argued that our faith is really a collection of antiquated beliefs and that they needed to be modernized, updated, to, to suit us. How many know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Amen. We, uh, we cannot change the scriptures. We cannot change our belief systems. We cannot catch up to the times because then that would negate our our belief, our faith, our trust that God's word is absolute and that we need to hold to it. It's critical, folks, that you and I understand what good theology is. And really, this is exactly what the Apostle Paul is dealing with in 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 the uh, in the first century, dealing with the people of. Galatia. In fact, uh, I told you last week about Martin Luther. Martin Luther kicked off what we call the uh, Protestant Reformation. What he's doing is he's protesting against Rome and against their teaching on salvation, which uh, is not biblical. And if you're from a Roman Catholic background, please don't be offended at what I'm saying. I'm just sharing with you what it is that we believe and what we, we see the Bible saying. Uh, one of the things we learned in the view class is that it's sola scriptura. In other words, only the scripture is our authority. We don't turn to a pope. We don't turn to uh, any, any of the ideas of man. We, lo- we want to know what does the revelation of God tell us. And this is what the Bible is. It is the revelation of God. So we know the mind of God, first of all, because he sent Jesus Christ to reveal God to us. And this is really what the first four verses of John chapter 1 are all about. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then, and then John tells us that the Word came to us and uh, he was the light of the world and so on and so forth. So we recognize that God wants to reveal his heart and his mind to us. And so it's critical that we, we turn to scriptures for truth and don't go outside of that. Now, Martin Luther, he, he, he came to faith in Christ by reading the book of Galatians, interestingly. And uh, uh, let me just say this about Galatians. It's considered, uh, some consider it, most consider it, the oldest book uh, in the New Testament. It was the, f- the first writings that were uh, eventually compiled and put into the New Testament. So Galatians is, is a foundational book in the New Testament. And, uh, and so Martin Luther is reading through Galatians, and all of a sudden the lights go on. How many people have had that aha moment when all of a sudden it's like, ah, now I get it? Anybody had that? Has anybody not had it? Okay, well, just pay attention. You might get it today. I don't know. But Martin Luther was beating himself up and I remember remember, I told you about this He was beating himself and and whipping himself his back was a bloody mess going for confession every day for six hours at a time and finally the the person he was confessing to said look don't come back again unless you've committed fornication (laughs) or killed somebody just stay away from me now you're driving me crazy but actually if you think about it from Martin Luther's point of view at that time he was very aware of how much of a sinner he is. Uh, the problem is not that he saw how much of a sinner he was, is that so much as that we don't see in ourselves how much of a sinner we are. Does that make sense to everybody? He was very aware of that. And by the way, God used that for his glory and honor. So he's reading through the book of Galatians, and here's the verse he comes across. Galatians 3.11, and it says, So it is clear that no one can be made right with God, uh, by trying to keep the law. By the way, we, this is a verse, one of the verses that supports the doctrine of justification. How many have heard that before? Anybody ever, ever heard of the doctrine of justification? Just say yes. If you never heard about it before, don't say anything. No one can be justified with God. Nobody can be made right with God. Our, our relationship with God can never be healed by trying to keep the law. That's what Paul's saying. You can never come to God's throne with your prayer requests, with your needs. You can never have a relationship with God by trying to keep the law. In fact, we said last week that, that your merit, your good works is just not good enough. And remember we talked about how, how some, the Roman Catholic Church came up with this idea of, of a treasury of merit. In other words, you could go to the merit bank And you could get more merits, more favor, if you want to put it that way, with God. And the way you would do that, if you didn't have enough in yourself, you could borrow some from the saints. Some of the saints who had had extra merit. Imagine that. Imagine thinking that that God is like, he's got a running tab there. Oh boy, look at this, you've gone over. (laughs) You've gone over that's that's how the roman catholic church saw it if you went over then well you we have to declare that you're a saint you got special favor with god absolutely not biblical absolutely not in the scripture so you what you would do in order to win favor with god is you'd go visit holy relics and i told you about some of them the crown of thorns in it's actually in, in notre dame and they almost lost it in the fire you got the, you got the Holy Spirit that stabbed Jesus, the Holy Sponge that gave him something to drink. you got, you got pieces of the cross. And if you added up all the pieces of the cross all over Europe, you could have at least 10, 10 crosses, and it goes on and on. But if you visited these things and did whatever you do when you go there, well, then you could get merit, and that somehow it would spring you right out of purgatory. Purgatory, again, not a biblical idea. It's all bad theology, so what we're doing here, uh, what Paul's doing in the book of Galatians is he's correcting bad theology. He's saying, you got bad theology, people. And what is their theology? They said, well, I, could, I can actually win favor with God by keeping the law. And Paul says, who has bewitched you, you foolish Galatians? Now that's quite a, Imagine getting a letter like that from your grandma. No, Paul says, for the scriptures say this, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. By putting your faith in God and the way that he tells us to get salvation. In the Old Testament, God declared that the way that you are are going to be, uh, 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 your sin will be atoned for, was through animal sacrifices we get to the New Testament and Hebrews beautifully points us out if you haven't read Hebrews yet you've got to read Hebrews because it tells us beautifully how Jesus Christ is the final sacrifice once and for all and if you put your faith in Jesus and his work not in your work because here's what I know everybody likes to say well I'm a good person do we have any good people here? (laughs) (laughs) how many think I'm a good person? Thanks a lot. (laughs) You see, dear, 25 years, and this is how they treat me. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you didn't say I was good, because even Jesus said, don't call me good. Only the Father in heaven is good. What makes us good is Jesus Christ. Does this make sense? So our faith is in Jesus. It's not in ourselves. And if you can't say, I am a sinner in need of God's grace, then I'm pretty sure you're not converted. I'm pretty sure you are not a, a Christian yet. If you would sit here today and say, you know what, Pastor Allen, I make the odd mistake, but by and large, I'm pretty amazing. <laughs> there are a lot of people like that. I know when you have been touched by the power of God, And the message of salvation—it's when you can declare freely and openly, "I'm a wretch without God." In fact, one of the old Puritans said, "I'm a worm. I'm I'm, I'm an absolute worm without God." But boy, that is very, very unpopular today. Nobody wants to hear that because that hurts my self-esteem, Pastor. You shouldn't tell me I'm a worm. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Before you're converted, you are a worm. But when you're converted, God makes you into a brand new creation. And I'm going to tell you, without Christ, you're a worm. Well, thanks a lot. (laughs) I'm never coming to this church again. Well, look, if you want to hear the truth, then this is the place to come. If you want me to tickle your ears, you've got to go somewhere else. I could give you the names of a few churches, but I'm not going to... (laughs) This is good theology, people. This is really good theology. Last Sunday, last Sunday, we talked about the good news. Today, we're talking about the good theology. Our salvation is because we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And you can freely say, Man, I am a loser without Jesus. But now that I've got Christ, I am transformed. I'm a new creation. Amen. Amen. I'm a new creation. What about you? I'm not relying on my good deeds or my good work I'm relying on God's grace so here's Martin Luther no more legalism no more trying to win God's favor by works no more self-inflicted wounds and pain in order to pay for his sins no more visiting the merit treasury to win favor with God no need to visit relics no need to visit 600 year old nuns heads we saw that last week didn't we that mummified nuns' head. Say <laughs> gross. This is sick. Who does that? People with bad theology. So we want to talk about good theology because here's the thing, folks: good theology produces real conversions. Bad theology produces fake conversions. Have you heard of fake news? What I'm declaring to you is the good news, not the fake news. The news that's going to transform you and the, the news that's going to make you into a brand new person. Let's talk for a moment about the gospel of grace. Here, I got a confession to make. I have been very, well, I would say probably a little unsettled for the past 20 years in the ministry. I started. Uh, this is hard to believe 35 years ago I was only 5 years old <laughs> 35, 35 years at this but I got to tell you it's, it's been really in the last 20 years I became a little unsettled at what I was seeing in, in the world of Christianity I was starting to question are, 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 the, are, are the, all these people going to church are they really converted are they really born again but it's in the last five years I've become actually quite, uh, quite tormented and anxious at what I'm saying. Because I know full well that not everybody who goes to our church who calls himself or herself a Christian is in fact a Christian. Please don't be offended. My job as a pastor is to be an overseer of the flock of God. This is my my calling. This is my responsibility. I'm going to have to stand before God someday and give an account, and it just scares the daylights out of me because I want to make sure I got it right. So I am very concerned about the people who are in my flock. And the Bible tells me that my job as as a shepherd, as a keeper of the flock, is to know the condition of each sheep. And the thing that that really concerns me is that not everybody who believes he's born again or she believes she's she's born again is in fact born again. Just because you're a member or just because you have been baptized or just because you attend regularly or just because you are serving somewhere does not guarantee that you're born again. I'm deeply concerned at the numbers of people who call themselves Christians but are not. And I just had lunch uh, last week with a pastor friend of mine, a bigger church than mine, and he said exactly the same thing. In fact, I've talked to a number of pastor friends of mine, and we're all saying the same thing. So here we are in this state of anguish, and I'm going to tell you right now, folks, the problem is that we've got a lot of bad theology out there, and a lot of it comes through the TV, and through the radio waves, through podcasts, and through YouTube, and so on and so forth. Now look at I don't care if you listen to TV I don't care if you listen to YouTube but here's the problem is that if you have not been properly indoctrinated with with the truth then it's very easy for you to go off on a crazy tangent it's why everybody jumped on the prosperity gospel bandwagon in the early mid to early 80s and I remember declaring that this is, this is a heresy. It's a dangerous heresy because what it does is it sets up money as your God. You say, oh, no, no, I worship God, and because I worship God, God rewards me. Yeah, like this does not work around the world. There's a lot of Christians who, because of their faith in Jesus Christ, have lost everything. So something's wrong with this theology. That, that is just simple logic, but we got bad theology, and so therefore we got people who don't have any clue what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So folks, because of the bad theology, because of my great torment and anguish, and I, I'm not overstating that. There's times I'm awake at three at four o'clock in the morning, and I am wrestling with this, stressing about this, and saying, God, give me the grace, give me what I need to do the job of a pastor. I would not recommend this job to anybody. Hello? If anybody wants to be a pastor, don't do it. Don't do it. You better have a strong sense of calling on your life to do this because it'll kill you otherwise. Well, that's why I'm doing the worldview class, and it's why we're studying Galatians. Hey, you know what? I'm not the first one to feel this sort of torment and anguish over the state of, of Christians. Martin Luther, uh, you know, one of the first. But he, by the way, he was not the first. There are many Roman Catholic uh, scholars and teachers before him um, that, that were concerned with what they were saying. Zwingli, John Knox of Scotland, Spurgeon, Martin Lloyd-Jones, Billy Graham, and the Apostle Paul. Here's what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 1, 8-9. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of gospel than the one we preach to you by the way before we go further is anybody familiar with the religion that has an angel that passes on so-called truth from heaven it's called mormonism the angel Moroni. Isn't that and it's interesting that the apostle Paul, thousands of years, well, almost almost 2,000 years, 1,800 years before the angel Moroni comes on the scene, gives these golden tablets to Joseph Smith and out of that comes this false teaching, this false doctrine. He said, Pastor Allen, are you really calling out the Mormons? I'm exposing bad theology. And there's some people now who would embrace Mormonism and say, oh yeah, they're, they're Christians too. And I'm going to tell you, they are not. They are not. Verse 9, I say again what we have s- said before. If anyone preaches any other gospel than the one you welcome, let that person be cursed. Do you know what it means to be cursed? It means you're going to hell. This is, I'm just telling you what the Bible, what the Bible is saying here. It's very important that you have good theology based on the Word of God and not based on any angels called moroni or macaroni or whatever you want to call it. There's a great movement right now amongst Jehovah Witnesses in Africa. It's absolutely shocking what we're seeing there but it's in Canada it's around the world and it's growing like crazy but I'm going to tell you right now these religions do not recognize the deity of Jesus Christ as the only way to the Father any religion that doesn't recognize that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life and the only way to the Father is a false religion and you need to run for your life run for your life run away don't even let them come into your house because they're going to come knocking on your door and they look so pretty and so handsome and so, so smart and so friendly. Do you know that, that Satan comes as an angel of light? That's right. Don't even let them into your home. Don't be mean to them. Don't be nasty to them, but tell them right out, flat out, I do not believe in your heresy. Who knows maybe that word will trigger something in their heart so here's what Paul is telling us we need to understand this gospel of grace because if we don't we're gonna fall into error do you know what it says in Galatians chapter 2 it says that even Peter the Apostle Peter the one that the Catholics call the first Pope that even Peter fell into error Or as it says in Galatians 2, the Galatians' web of deceit. Did you get that? These are strong words, aren't they? Hello, are you there? Very strong words. If even the apostle Peter could fall into the Galatians' web of deceit, then you can too. And this is why you need to attend the worldview class so that you understand what it is that we believe as evangelicals. Pastor, what is an evangelical? Well, very simply put, an evangelical is someone who believes in the centrality of the conversion or the born-again experience for a believer. In other words, we, are, we do not believe in what, it's what is called covenant theology, whereby you, uh, you, you grew up in a Christian home and therefore you receive uh, all the benefits uh, that a Christian would have because you're born into that family. And this is why families christen babies why they have their babies christened because they believe that they're under that under that covenant but it's not again i mean it's look i shouldn't say it's not biblical because there are people who can make a very good case for it a very convincing case for it but i'm going to tell you that when it comes to serving god when it comes to being a christian you have to make that decision and going through catechism and then being confirmed That's something that happens on the outside. What I'm talking about is something that happens on the inside. This is why we are so different. Because when we talk about conversion, we're talking about something that happens inside of us. So I can tell you, when I became a Christian, when I was converted, I was just a young boy. My mother made sure I went to to, uh, Calvary Temple's Boyd's Brigade, and it was there that I heard the gospel message and I surrendered my life to Christ. It was there that God found me. Did you get that? I didn't find God. God found me. Now that goes against some... That, that, you know, that is good theology, but it goes against some bad theology that some of you grew up with. The notion or the idea that you found God. You didn't. He found you. Has anybody ever heard of the parable of the lost sheep? Jesus leaves the 99, or the shepherd leaves the 99, and what does he do? He goes looking for the one that's gone missing. That sheep that lost the shepherd, or it was lost, was found by the shepherd. Just remember that. Very critical that you remember that. So every every evangelical understands that he has to be born again. He's got to uh, experience that that conversion experience where his life is transformed by God. The second thing that evangelical believes is that We believe in the authority of the Bible as God's revelation to humanity. And this, if you took the worldview class, we talked about the authority of Scripture. So we make our decisions based on what the Bible says, right? Everybody agrees with that? All in favor? Whether you said I or not doesn't matter because this is the authority that we live by. Now you can see now why the world hates evangelicals. The, the notion or the idea is that they are belligerent, stubborn people that are bigots. And all we're trying to do is we're trying to live according to God's revelation. And if you're an evangelical, which is what we are here at Cross Church, we are evangelicals, we believe in the authority of Scripture the third thing is that we understand that our job as christians is to share our faith or in other words to share the good news the good theology the good news about jesus christ which we talked about last week what's the good news you are saved by god's grace and by putting your faith in jesus christ it's it's grace alone and faith alone not by your works And then finally, we believe that the gospel consists of the doctrine of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ's atonement. This is who we are. This is what evangelicals are. This is good theology. This is, it's all biblical. There's nothing added to it, nothing taken away from it. So here's the thing. You say, well, Pastor Alan, so I understand the gospel of grace then. I'm saved by grace By God's grace, God brought salvation to me. He brought a way for me to be saved, to be delivered from hell. And it's through the person of Jesus Christ. What do I do? I put my faith in Jesus. Now, let me just remind everybody here of something. And this really addresses what I was saying earlier about how I feel a sense of anguish that not everybody who goes to cross church is in fact converted. I want to make sure that everybody here today understands what it means to be born again. If you think that because years ago you said a sinner's prayer at a Billy Graham crusade or any crusade or at any church, if you think that based on that alone that you're converted... Then I need to ask a few more questions. Because I know a lot of people who say, Well, I said a sinner's prayer. It's done. I got my fire insurance. I'm sorry to put it glibly, but I'm going to lighten it up a bit here. I'm going to tell you here's what you need to know you need to know that Jesus died for your sins. And that you are a sinner You need to understand that I don't ever If you, if you call yourself a Christian here at Cross Church I don't, want you to, I don't ever hear you say I'm a good person Because if you say that Then I know you're not converted You're putting your faith In, in, in the Christ Who died for your sins You've got to understand that here's, a, here's the next thing You have to, you have to understand if you've asked jesus to forgive you of your sins and you have repented you've turned away from your old life and now you are living a new life if there's no change in your life then we have to assume that you only think you're converted you're not really converted because repentance repentance is what the apostles told us we needed to do in the book of Acts. Repent and what? And believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for there's no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. So you're gonna repent. You're gonna turn from your old life. Gloria sent me a very interesting article. Uh, John Lee Bishop, pastor of 8,000. He fell from, from grace and... I mean as I'm reading his theology and reading about him I'm quickly recognizing how he got into trouble in the first place remember bad theology will kill you John Lee Bishop being full of pride remember that's something we all face lust of the eyes lust of the flesh the pride of life if you don't know what that is then you need to come to the worldview class and figure that out John Lee Bishop fell from grace. It got so bad, get this, that he actually had the drug cartel coming to him and asking him to smuggle drugs across the border because they would never suspect a pastor. And so he thought, I can't do that, I'm a pastor. But then the cartel said to him, hey, If you do us a few favors, then we'll build a church for you. And he thought, well, in that case, what can a bit of weed do? And the next thing you know, going across the border, he was caught. And this is what he said in his words What the F have I done? Folks, I'm going to tell you, you don't accidentally get to that place. You don't just wake up one day and say, well, how did this happen? How did my marriage fall apart? How'd that happen? It's a process. It, 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 it'll take a while, but you're going to get to the place, folks, where it all, all the wheels come off and it all falls apart. And this is exactly what happened to John Lee Bishop. John, have you actually repented and turned from your old lifestyle? He said, you know what he said? He said that I wanted to get close to my son who became a drug addict while I was the pastor. I didn't have time for him, so he became a drug addict. Do you know that, that if, if John Bishop actually read the Bible, he would discover that the Apostle Paul says in Titus and in Timothy that if, if your own household is out of order, then you can't be a pastor. You can't be anything in leadership. And so you know what he did? I mean, this is, tells you, this, this shows to you what happens when you've got bad theology and you don't read your Bible. You know what he does? He says, I'm going I'm to smoke weed with you, my son, just so that I can identify with you and we can talk together. And then he even shot up heroin. And then he, wonder, he, then he asked, I don't know how this happened. It's like, where do I begin to explain to you how you got into this mess? You don't repent, you don't turn from your old ways, you don't surrender in humility before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and this is what happens. So the next thing you need to do is you need to trust that God's grace, that is the loving mercy of Christ, His merit, His goodness, is what gives you salvation you do not trust in yourself in your own ability Pastor Alan. you know how good I am I, I never miss church I, you should say how much money I put in the offering plate I used to teach Sunday school I'm a, I'm a board member I'm a, I'm a usher I'm, uh, Pastor Alan. I, I love missions remember what Jesus says was going to happen on the last, last day he says some of you are going to say Lord Lord didn't we cast out demons in your name and Jesus is going to say what depart from me I don't even know who you are this is serious stuff I want you to make sure that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are converted, and I don't care if you've gone to church your whole life. Because there's a lot of people who go to church because that's what your family's always done for many generations. My grandfather was a preacher. My great-grandfather was a preacher. What I want to know is, has Jesus Christ truly transformed you by his Spirit? You need to trust in God's grace, the loving mercy of Christ and not in your own goodness or your own ability to be good. And that's precisely what Paul is criticizing in the book of Galatians. These people who think that they, have, they can have salvation by being such good people. And then finally what you gotta do is you have to radically follow Jesus. That's why I asked everybody at the Worldview class to read Matthew, what? 5, 6, and 7. Because if you want to see radical, crazy living, read that. It'll blow your mind. But that's exactly what Jesus is calling us to. I was very moved this week to hear of somebody who actually gave up, uh, recently converted, gave up uh, a relationship that wasn't honoring to God. Lots of tears, lots of lots of heartache and sorrow. Over the years, I've seen people give up pleasure, give up money, give up their opinions, give up their worldview, get a new worldview, giving up a worldview for which they were very proud. One young man even gave up his smartphone so as to prevent himself from falling into temptation. Folks, this is exactly what happened to Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus? short we, we sing about him in Sunday school Zacchaeus was a wee little man a wee little man was he it's very kind of it's mean isn't it <laughs> but, but he was short <laughs> we, we think because he climbed up a sycamore tree because he wanted to see Jesus and Jesus saw him and he saw Zacchaeus' desire and hunger for Christ and Zacchaeus Jesus said to Zacchaeus according to the song Zacchaeus I must come to your house for tea I don't know if he did go for tea but That's what I learned in Sunday school, so it must be true. (laughs) Zacchaeus comes face to face with the king of kings, with the Savior. And you know what he says? He says, I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor. Are you willing to do that? That's radical discipleship. That's radical followership. And then he says, and if I've cheated anybody... I'm going to give back to them four times what I took from them. (laughs) I love Jesus' response. It's so fantastic. Oh, let's go on to the next one here. Jesus responded. Go go on to the next one, please. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost you see, pastor that sounds to me like Zacchaeus was trying to earn his salvation no you missed the point Zacchaeus came face to face with Christ and he put his faith in Christ that's why Jesus says that this is a true son of Abraham how do you know if you're a son of Abraham it's not because you're Jewish. It's because you're a person of faith, a man or a woman of faith. You put your faith in Christ. That's what Zacchaeus did. And the evidence that he put his faith in Jesus Christ is that he gave half his possessions to the poor and he paid back anybody he cheated four times what he stole from them. That's the evidence. Oh, salvation has come to this home today. Is there any evidence that salvation has come to your home or come to your heart, come to your life? If if you're reading the scripture, if you're reading Galatians especially, then it becomes very clear whether or not Jesus Christ has become the Lord of your life. Wow. Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. Folks, you didn't find Jesus. Jesus found you. Someone say hallelujah. Hallelujah your salvation is from God it's not from you you're not the one who secured your salvation Jesus Christ is and I'm going to tell you right now there is no room for pride there's no room for pride you can't say look how spiritual I am see all the relics I visited you see I climbed the stairs of the Vatican on my knees my knees are bloody aren't I spiritual none of that none of that It's by faith in Jesus Christ alone. And look what it says here in Galatians 2.21. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. And if you are a Roman Catholic or a Pentecostal or a Baptist and you think that you can win your salvation through your good works, then what you're saying is God's grace is meaningless. It's useless. But the Apostle Paul declares... I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless for for if keeping the law could make us right with God then there would be no need for Christ to die. What you're doing, folks, when you rely on anything but faith in Jesus Christ and his grace is you are trampling on the death of Jesus Christ as something meaningless. And you think that God's going to sit back and do nothing. Read the book of Hebrews. It'll give you a clear insight as to what happens when you trample on the death of Jesus Christ as something meaningless. So you gotta make sure you're converted. My friend, the Reverend Bruce Powell, I'm gonna be visiting him again. I go there every year just to get refreshed and pray together. And He told me about the first church he went to. You've heard me tell this before. But he, the first church he went to An evangelical church that was not evangelical and how did he know because when he got there he discovered that the deacons were not converted they were not born again and even the Sunday school teachers were not born again and when he started preaching the gospel in that church they were so mad they wanted to run him out of town or at least run him out of the church But he persevered, and he preached the gospel. And one by one, his deacons were converted. His Sunday school teachers were converted. And they all all got saved. See, up to that point, they were relying on their own goodness. And Bruce Powell taught them they needed to rely on the goodness of Jesus Christ. That's God's grace. You've got to come in full repentance. Turn from your old life and nothing changes, you probably aren't converted. I was reading about, this is going to blow your mind, I was reading about a woman who was a stripper, and she became a Christian. And so what she decided is that she would be a stripper for Jesus. I'm glad you're laughing, you recognize how utterly ridiculous that is. Full repentance means an utter change in your lifestyle. And by the way, the fact that she could come to a place where she thinks she could strip for Jesus is not just repulsive, repellent. It's bad theology. And so you got to make sure that you come in full repentance to Christ. I'm tell you your worship, when we worship, if it's not flowing out of your your gratitude for God's grace and I don't know what you're singing you're, it's probably not worship you're just singing songs I don't mind songs I don't mind sitting s- singing songs around a campfire but I'm going to tell you the worship that pleases God is a worship that declares the glory of God and the grace of God and by his grace you are trusting only in God's power to change you in this world hey how do I know if you're converted? Well, you're not, you're not turning to self-help books to make yourself a better you. Oprah, I don't care if you are a billionaire, you're wrong. You cannot make you a better you. You need to be converted. You need to be born again. You need to die to your old self. You need to be a brand-new creation. And I, I'm going to tell you something else that's going to maybe make some people mad, But I'm going to tell you that social justice and every program that tries to change people without Christ is an affront on the gospel. It is an attack on the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is exactly what the Pharisees and the the scribes were trying to do in Jesus' day. Listen to this, and I'm going to close with this. Jesus says, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? You people who are trying to make everybody better by your laws and your rules and your strategies and your plans. Hypocrites, Jesus says, for you cross land and sea to make one convert. You cross land and sea to make things better around you, and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell you yourselves are. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? I'm going to tell you folks, how do I know if you're converted? Is it you understand this world cannot be changed without the power of Jesus Christ. This world will never be a better place. This world is passing away. Please don't be like the Pharisees and the scribes and the teachers in the law by making people twice the child of hell that you yourselves are. This is what we call gospel preaching. You're welcome. (laughs) Father, we thank you today for your grace. God, forgive us for trusting in anything outside of Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection, and the mercy of Christ that has set us free. Father, today some of us are being confronted with the truth of what it means to truly be a born-again Christian. And some of us here today have got a big battle to do because some of us are resisting. And even now, the spirit of the living God is doing business in people's hearts. And people are making, are, are at a place where they have got to decide to, to surrender to Jesus Christ. S- spirit of the living God, would you enable each one to be fully surrendered to you? God, help us, we pray, to be a people of faith, not just not just in word, but in deed. Help us to embrace that radical discipleship, that radical following of Christ, prepared to do whatever Jesus says. Because God, at the end of the day, we don't want to make this world a better place and clean people up so that they're nice and clean and wealthy and prepared to go to hell. God, we want to bring the message of Jesus Christ to people who are going to hell and need to be set free from the bondages of sin. And we thank you, Lord, for this gospel message. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it. Amen. God bless you.